Hello, this is Sid Miller, Republican nominee for Texas Agriculture Commissioner. For a while, I thought the general election was going to get a little bit kinky. It looks like the only thing left that's kinky is Reeve Hamilton and the Tribcast crew. Now, onward to the general election. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for the final week of May. I believe that was a reference to the outcome of the Democratic runoff for Ag Commissioner, which we'll get to. But first, joining me is CEO and Editor-in-Chief Evan Smith. Hello, Reeve. I've taken a break from making stew. That would also be a, a That's a Jim Hogan That's yes. a Jim Hogan joke to be here. So, Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. Another Ag Commissioner reference. Thank you, Russ. And <laughs> Good one. Editor Good one, Reeve. Emily Ramshaw. I don't want the word kinky to be used in this company any longer. You mean the Tribune? Yes. <laughs> what company? This, the four of you, three oh. of you. And Actually, we, we were hoping Kinky would call in and sing you happy birthday. It is Emily's birthday. Very well, exciting. Singing is one skill that he has, unlike <laughs> winning elections. Oh, oh, wow. Ooh. So I, should we just quickly – This was three for him, wasn't it? This we, is number three. Yes. yes. So that, that's the magic number. If you, lose, well, really if it's, you lose three times, that's when, it. It's Wayne really, Chris has lost three. He, Kinky's lost three. Kinky's lost four. He ran for Justice of the Peace and – Kerrville in 86? Yeah. Yeah. So he already so, had his third. He already overstayed his welcome. So I guess should we just tick the off— George Romney of Texas politics. We're going we're gonna to run through the uh, runoff election results, but should we, since we've done the Democratic Ag Commissioner stuff, should we just quickly we mention that? We haven't done the Democratic Ag Commissioner Well, so we've already dipped our toes into it. Why don't we just it? talk about it? So in the Democratic, <laughs> Attorney, uh, in the Democratic uh, Agriculture Commissioner runoff, Kinky Friedman uh, lost pretty handily to Jim Hogan, who is a gentleman who did not campaign. We're not he even said, sure if he's a gentleman. We know so little about him. He said if you want to know something about him, just Google him. We've never seen him. We've only seen a picture. And that's not true. He came to the and office. He came to the office. Yeah. When he did he up, come to the office? He showed up in the office. Oh, that's when he creeped everybody out. Evan. <laughs> he may have creeped you out. No, I, I, I'm telling the story as it was told to somebody else. Anyway. I, he, I, he wouldn't have creeped me out. I like the guy. He's in the office more than you are. He, uh, close. He showed up with a ream of raising money, Reeve. He showed up with a ream Which of Which Jim Hogan leaf. doesn't do. He'd taken a lot of – he had a handwritten position paper that he wanted to offer us. Uh, and then he won the Democratic Is typing AG. required here at the Texas Tribune? you got to type your position paper? Look, his chicken scratch was a little better than yours. I'm almost it tempted to start much. this podcast over. <laughs> uh, it's going really well. Yeah. Anyway, he will be the Democratic nominee, and he's running against the uh, intro here, Sid Miller, who defeated Tommy Merritt. Always hard to beat an intro. <laughs> 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 Doesn't get any easier from here. It's a, happy birthday! It is your Thanks. birthday, right? Uh, so we we are denied the Ted Nugent Kinky Friedman that I've been dreaming general of. election right. off. I know. You know, there's plenty here though. I, you know, the the top of the ticket races are going to be interesting, even if they're not. You know, even the ones that aren't competitive are going to be interesting. It's an interesting cast of characters for the most part. Well, but in the case of Hogan, what will be interesting is Hogan has managed to non-campaign. Right. right. He's, yes. he's won this thing. He spent zero dollars and zero cents. And. And apparently did, except to come to this office, didn't leave Cleburne. 
And, and so the question is, what will he do in the next six or five, four or five months? You know, it's nothing, worked for nothing. state. It's worked for statewide judges for years and years and years. Nobody knows who they are until they walk into the polling place and say, "Oh, that's a nice looking." So game. he'll be the Marty Akins candidate of this cycle. He'll get the same forty-two percent as everybody else spending. Well, I mean, money. he's going to be. I mean, if he doesn't do anything, that's going to be a good place to look for the baseline Democratic vote in the November election. But interestingly, in this case, you know, the Democratic Party ended up endorsing Kinky, and the uh, well, did they really endorse after they Kinky? campaigned against him yes. in the first round? They, right. they campaigned against. Both Keisha Rogers and Kinky Friedman in the first round saying he wasn't a real Republican right. and she was, you know, looking for the um, right. impeachment of the now, president. Now, voters listened on the Keisha Rogers point. Keisha Rogers was the, a U.S. Senate candidate who wanted to impeach Obama. She's the LaRouche. Hamilton over here. Yes. Yeah. So voters listened to the Democratic Party in that case and came out and voted for uh, David Alamil, who, you know, won overwhelmingly in last right. night's election. He, he was the Senate candidate that didn't want to impeach Obama. Right. Uh, yeah, right. There were just two of them. Those were their, that was the main plan. <laughs> well, no, John Cornyn <laughs> may also fit in the same category, actually. Good point. He's, right. He wasn't running in this particular party's primary. Right. Um, yet, you know, on the other side, they did not listen on Kinky Friedman and went ahead and voted for the guy that nobody knew. Well, they sort of listened. They listened. They just didn't they listen listened after They listened in the March. wrong election. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Useful. I think everybody's tired of Friedman's act. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of it hasn't developed. He's you know he was um, he kind of came he kind of came out this time and said you know I'm I'm for legalizing pot. He didn't really campaign hard. He didn't really put on the show that he's put on in some of the previous races. And I think people looked at him and thought he was Do, a jokey candidate. Is it better? Fatigue. Is it better for the Democrats to not have pot be a central plank of one of their statewide candidates? I think he's probably a distraction from you know they want to run a serious race and see what their numbers. You know they're they're trying to build some numbers. They've been stuck in the low 40s for a long time. They've lost. They've been um, completely beat in nine consecutive election cycles. They haven't won a race since 1994, and they want to see what they can do. And Kinky Friedman doesn't advance that. The short answer is that no matter who won that race, with the exception of probably Mike Collier, you're going to see Davis and Van Der Poot out on the campaign trail, but you're not going to see a group picture. You're not going to see a dream team picture because... John Cook and his guitar? Because the two top candidates are really the marquee uh, players here, and everybody else is is sort of south of that. that and again, no, Collier's a serious guy. Mike Collier, Democratic candidate for Comptroller. But it, it, Steve Brown's a serious Steve guy. Steve Brown's a serious guy. Brown's a serious guy. Brown's a serious guy. Brown's a But the reality is they're not going to be viewed as a group Whereas from the Republican perspective, you're going to hear a lot about the whole slate of them. Well, that's actually sort of interesting. I mean, you know, if you you know, if the charges and allegations about Paxton persist, then Abbott's got this interesting problem that nobody's had since Mark White was campaigning with Jim Maddox. It's sort of like you look around and you kind of go, "Is this a lawyer you would hire in your law?" Firm? Well, in fact, Wendy Davis's first tweet, or the first tweet on behalf, or one of the first tweets on behalf of Wendy Davis last night was when is the first time that Greg Abbott's going to campaign with Dan Patrick? They intend to make Dan Patrick a millstone around Abbott's neck if they can. And I'd say about that, Patrick has been underestimated since 2006. Keep underestimating him. The mm-hmm. reality is if you think running against Dan Patrick is going to win you the election in the fall, you very well may be too clever. A well, lot of Republicans thought that the presidential campaign from Mitt Romney was the party running to the middle when it should have run to the right and that that's why they lost. And And that part of the party – has found their voice in Dan Patrick. We should run to the right. We should run with a true conservative Republican. And that's yeah. what the party will and, rally and around. Way, and that's exactly I, – I think a lot of people in the Republican side say yeah. this is exactly what they ought and to do. And the Paxton we, branch margin was as big as the Patrick Dewhurst right. margin, which means exactly. that Pat Paxton is as much the standard bearer for that view. Can we back right. up a little gonna, bit and explain, explain to people the what we're talking about? We sort of buried the lead, which was really the – 
the Dan Patrick the sport, and the, the slate and the, the coattails. Sportscaster from ESPN making a rare <laughs> venture out of well, his somebody flipped up a TV graphic. It was, last I think night it was KHOU. We think it was KHOU. Oh, that why can't we Dan find out Patrick, who it was? The sportscaster up instead of Dan Patrick. So, Russ, right. can you just can you just sort of give us a rundown of who won the Republican primary runoffs? Yeah, so Dan Tuesday Patrick night. beat David Dewhurst in the top race on the Republican side, lieutenant governor. Beat is a generous description. The attorney. Uh, yeah, it is a generous description. In the attorney general's race, Dan Paxton beat. Ken, Ken, Paxton. Ken Paxton beat Dan Brandt. There's too many Dans. We, we need to thin the – I guess we did thin the Dans a little bit last night. Um, in the Agriculture Commission race, Sid Miller beat Tommy Merritt, two former um, House members who both lost their House districts. Voters have rejected right. both of them. Ryan Sitton beat Wayne Christian in the race for Railroad Commission. Uh, Ralph Hall was the first member, uh, first incumbent member of Congress to lose a race this year. He's a 91-year-old. Since dinosaurs roamed the earth. Right, exactly. Since Adam had an even number of ribs. By the way, he um, was also present for that. (laughs) Good (laughs) reference. He was was there that day. so he lost Walking to John around Ratcliffe, on. A, former, yeah. a former federal prosecutor up in northeast Texas. In an overlapping district, the other hall won. Bob Hall beat um, Bob Duell by 300 votes out of about 36,000 cats. It's prob- our Dan's and our halls. Right. <clears throat> it's probably a recount race, but I think you know it probably, that number will probably hold. Um, Sitton was – Sitton was – do you acknowledge Sitton's a surprise? Sitton was a bit of a surprise, although he – clobbered um, Christian in Harris County. There was a big effort from a lot of the oil and gas lobby and from a lot of the energy people in Houston on Sitton's behalf. He beat uh, Christian like three to one in Harris County, which, of course, is the biggest uh, vote turnout. And Christian never recovered from but, it. But he was the outlier in that Christian was viewed as part of the slate alongside Paxton, right. Patrick, and Miller. And uh, Sitton also broke the record of newspaper editorial boards being the Sports Illustrated covers of Texas politics, right? Uh, he Sitton got all the endorsements. Right, and, and won anyway. And ended up winning anyway, which right. is kind of amazing. Right. So, I mean, does the, does the oil and gas influence in Harris County explain uh, a race that seemed to go against the narrative of, you know, the Tea Party favorites? Doing quite well on the top of the ballot last well, night. Sitting's not exactly they, Angela Davis. I think they. I think they put a lot of money into uh, mail and robocalls and slate cards in Harris County and, and really, really concentrated. You know, they, the numbers in that race in Harris County were significantly different from the numbers in the other Harris County races. Dan Patrick helped Harris County turnout. Merritt so that, did well in Harris County, right? Right. Um, so you know, we we didn't call the Merritt Miller race until late because Harris County was. Tighter than it was in right. the other races. It just looked a little. Let us also observe of the, of the four. It's also votes. always the latest county. Thank you very to, much, Harris County to, Clark. What's that guy's name? Stan Stanner. Stan Stan Stanner. The, the the of the four big races, Tommy Merritt by a long shot did right. the best of the losing candidates. Right. Which I don't know anybody would have predicted going into this. I bet he is just running around bragging yeah, so much his... about that today. <laughs> Listen, you know what? He ran a much tighter race by a significant amount than the other guys. You got to say, well, take comfort in, in whatever you can, right? So to finish this off real quick, Connie Burton, as as probably expected, won the Tarrant County race to um, succeed Wendy Davis on the Republican side, beating Mark Shelton. Who had um, previously lost to Wendy Davis. Who had previously lost to He's Wendy Davis. dangerous Kinky Friedman territory. Now, exactly, right? getting close. <laughs> Burton will now face um, Libby Willis, Libby Willis uh, in, in, in that race. That's the only swing seat really left in the Texas Senate. And it's about a plus what, 15, 16? It's a plus, yeah, it's, something, yeah something like Republican that. District particularly in a non-presidential mid, Particularly year. in a midterm year, right? Yeah. So, um, and then in the House, everything flipped. So the, the Tea Party candidates won everything down through the Senate on the ballot. And then in the House... Um, 
they went two for seven. Um, and the establishment candidates, the Joe Strauss candidates, whatever you want to call them, won five of the seven races that everybody was kind of watching in the House. So, this is like John Ray versus T.J. Fabi. Right, right. So Shaheen mm-hmm. was one of the Tea Party candidates who won, and the other was who? The other one that was endorsed by a lot of those groups was Mike Schofield against Ann Hodge. Who was Katie. a former Perry guy? Is that He's right? a former Perry um, staffer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's run a couple of races. He lost to Jim Murphy and um, but and then moved to Katie for this. Right. There was but a Fabby, carpetbagger Fabby thing. Fabby lost. Eb lost. Um, there were a bunch of them who. Right. But so why why yeah. would why would the phenomenon stop at the Senate? I think, think there was a lot of campaigning on the House side that didn't happen on the Senate side. The House was trying to you know you have a speaker and a and a speaker's crew, a leadership team that's trying to. You know, preserve their leadership and and to preserve defend their guys and um, hold this thing together. And they did a they had yeah. mixed results. We disagreed on that in the in the March primary. They had mixed results in the primary. I think they split with the Empower Texans and those guys. In this one, they clearly won. So, if the Republicans hold these seats in November, I mean, you're establishing a, a very different vibe in the Senate versus the House, correct? Yeah, we get eight. You know, up to eight new senators, um, depending on you know how. A couple of races go, you know, if Glenn Hager wins and somebody, you know, runs for his seat, all of that kind of stuff. So about eight senators. We had six new senators in the last cycle. This group of, you know, 12 to 14, depending on how it comes out, is markedly more conservative than the people they replaced, even when it's Republican for Republican. Mm -hmm. And if Dan Patrick is the leader of the Senate, if he beats Letitia Vanderpute, you have yeah. a remarkably more conservative Senate. Look look at the group that you've got in in the last two cycles. Hancock, Taylor, Schwartner, Campbell, and then presuming oh, things for the fall. So many footnotes. Van Taylor. Bettencourt, Those are all senators. Right. Van Taylor, <laughs> Paul Betancourt, potentially Charles Perry, um, Brandon Creighton or Steve Toth, a significant number of right. clicks to the right of Tommy Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for the Democrats spending all this time Connie saying, Burton, you know, if she beats Libby Willis. the tide's going to turn, the tide's going to turn. You know, this legislature just keeps, or the Senate at least, just keeps getting more and more conservative. Basically, the Senate will be this. It'll be 11 Democrats. It'll be the two former mayors, both pragmatists by disposition when they were nonpartisan mayors of their cities. They had to get things done and are perceived by their fellow Republicans as being insufficiently conservative, Eltife and Seliger. And then it'll be 18 Katie bar the door conservatives. I can whip the votes on the two-thirds rule. Dead, dead. Well, the well, even two-thirds it, rule was dead no matter who got elected because all four of the lieutenant but, governor but, but, candidates but at this, said, But at this point now, the votes to kill the two-thirds rule are – I mean any question about whether the votes are there, totally there, right? Right. It is a much more and – and I have a question about what the agenda is. Well, So so where where do they go? So let's assume the Senate is as conservative as we assume. What, are they going to ban abortion in 20 minutes? I mean what what are they going to do? Well, I don't know. What, 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 what else is on the agenda? I'd like to know what the list of things is. And I'm waiting to hear. The issue in this legislature, if those guys all prevail, this is actually sets up the counterargument for Letitia Vanderpute. We can come back to that. But if they if they do this, the question is with a House that is, you know, has taken a turn in the last uh, cycle, certainly maybe the last two cycles toward sort of nonpartisan problems like infrastructure, water, those kinds of things, and a Senate that looks more and more partisan, you know, what kind of an agenda can a new governor get through this thing? What kind of an agenda can a new lieutenant governor get through this thing? You know, Joe Strauss seems to be the rock in the river that everything flows around. Um, Is he the if, last centrist? Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, we don't know what Greg Abbott's going to come in and propose when he comes in. You know, you frankly don't know. 
until they get there and actually say it, what after an election a, a Dan Patrick or a Letitia Vandepute wants out of this legislature. They may come in and say, you know, really what we ought to talk about is, you know, schools. Um, well, except you, I mean, you heard Dan Patrick last night already saying, you know, no Democratic chairs, you know, I mean, this doesn't sound like well, some... I don't think he said none, did he? He said it won't be half. It sounded pretty darn this close. This is the ongoing yeah. fight. This is the ongoing, right. whether certainly or not fewer. he said this, but certainly fewer. He also, I mean, said that, he also said that it was a clear mandate to lower property taxes, yes, which I did not realize had been an issue in his well, race he against ta- Dan. He, he, he's, 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 David he talked about it, or he tweeted about it, or others tweeted on his behalf about it repeatedly during the campaign. So he's either going to raise state spending on public education or cut public education because that's the only two ways to lower property taxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just going to have, if he is indeed the uh, lieutenant governor, it's just going to be a massive bottleneck. I mean, I cannot imagine that this legislature is going to get anything done. I feel like we're going to be coming back for special session after special session, depending on whoever this governor is, but probably Greg Abbott. So this sets up the argument that Letitia Vandepute and Wendy Davis are making that, you know, that Dan Patrick is exactly the kind of candidate that they wanted to push up against. This is a, a sharp contrast between if you you know you vote for this one, you get that. If you vote for you know that one, you get the other thing. It's a it's a really remarkable difference that voters are going to be looking at. If the voters were interested at all, and there's no evidence that they are, fewer than a million people voted in in this runoff. But you've said Ross to me a couple times, and even on this podcast, I'm pretty sure that you thought you're going to hold you, me to things I've said I on am, the podcast that mm-hmm. Dewhurst was a more a delectable opponent for Vandepute in the sense that you just run against incompetence in the last couple sessions and you didn't like it. Here's the guy who was responsible for it. I actually think Patrick is high risk, high reward for Vandepute. If they regard him as an IED, much as you might see in a war zone, and they drive by him at the right speed, he goes off. They think that the collateral damage actually affects every Republican on the ballot. Patrick has been very good, though, about keeping control of himself. This is the first time I've ever worked with anybody whose analogies are weirder than mine. Well, but but, but, Boy, but and yours are pretty weird. Turn but, up but, truck. but what they're trying what they're trying to do is try to get Patrick to explode and have Patrick be a problem for the entire Republican ticket, or at right. a minimum, create an opportunity for Van Depute where he disqualifies himself. I think the likelihood of that is not very high. Right. But ideologically, the question is: Do people in the state see Van Depute as more like them, or Patrick as more like them? And at the moment, based on every other election that's taken place, how do you not view Patrick's view of the world ideologically as more in sync with Texas? Right. Where, where is the evidence that the Democratic ideology is in the majority? Yeah, just not, only, it's just not there. You know, they didn't have as many races, but only 20 percent of the Shit, turnout in, out. in the runoff, only 20 percent of the turnout was Democratic. Now, they didn't have the races the Republicans did, but they were only about a third of the turnout in March. Mm-hmm. They don't have the numbers here yet or evidence of the numbers here to really be a serious existential threat to the Republicans. So the Republicans feel safe running more and more and more Republican. It may materialize that the Democratic ideology has more traction than we know now, between now and November, but if you're if you're the Patrick guys, you're thinking I'm in sync with the rest of the state. Right. And and her path forward would have to be I mean, the tack they've taken so far, you know, focusing on this Patrick's illegal invasion comments. You know, I mean I think they would have to to find some turnout among people who have not traditionally voted in this state, you know, it, that's a really uphill battle. Yeah, they're I, called unlikely voters for a reason. Right. Well, how, how much further do you think they're likely to extend some of the nastiness that came up at the end of the Dewhurst-Patrick? Well, you mean, do you think mental health and suicide and all that sort of stuff is going to come up again in the fall? Um, yes. Well, I don't know. I think Carefully. I, I, I think a lot of the reason that that stuff came up in the primaries was because the differences between the candidates on issues were so slight. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you can't talk about this or that. Let's talk about qualifications. And the 
general election, the differences on issues and on ideology are really, really stark. I don't know that you need to go to competence. It's absolutely going to come up. What about in the attorney general's race? You referenced Paxton's legal issues earlier. Maybe you want to. It's the only chance that Sam Houston has. Nobody knows who he is. Ken Herman had a funny line in his column this morning that I think the guy running for the Democratic uh, as the Democratic attorney general is 221 years old. I mean, the only thing he's really got going is his <laughs> is name. His name, yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, all Jim Hogan had. Exactly. Look at him but riding high. We're going to hear about the runaway <laughs> scrape actually right. quite a lot for the next few months. But you know, if you um, if Houston picks up the Dan Branch line that the attorney general ought to follow the law. And if Ken Paxton can't get his foot out of this trap, then I think that's going to be the issue going into November. Right. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if anybody takes up the Ken Paxton, you know, legal issue. I mean, you know, it doesn't look likely right now that he's facing prosecution, although I suppose it's possible. Well, it sounds like it it just sounds like a campaign allegation at this point. So you see the guy walking around and, you know, um, orange. The, the big dispute that came up in the last week, and we, in some respects, were party to this. We published pieces by both Paxton and Branch um, a couple of days before the election is, is Paxton able to argue before the Supreme Court? Is he authorized to represent the state under his current circumstances before the Supreme Court? He says yes. Branch, Branch says, says no. no. He says yes. Houston can make the argument, this guy is not able to be the state's top lawyer because because of his troubles. He's not. Well, actually, but, but you know what? People didn't seem to care. The I mean, actual job. I just don't know that you can make the argument. Is it an argument mm-hmm. that gets trapped? People go, uh, they go, securities reprimand. Oh, those are big words. Ow, my head hurts. You know, they don't, people don't think that they care about that stuff, right? I mean, isn't that what happened? Kind of nobody cared. <laughs> well, I'm not sure enough people knew about it. I and mean, that's the question. Do, do the people who made the decisions know about it? And do the people who knew about it care? I think the enough, Republican it, primary voters, the Republican primary runoff voters, obviously did know about it because they got a lot of mail and obviously didn't care because they gave this guy two-thirds of the votes. Um, What happens in November is kind of an open thing. But I also think that's the only avenue open to Houston in that race. But what are the odds of any moderate Republicans actually switching sides and voting for Democrats? You know, even David Dewhurst, who ran a nasty campaign against Dan Patrick very quickly last night, said, I will do anything to help the Republicans. In the governor's race, there'll be a few, right? Yeah. Well, they'll rally behind the party. The party has its convention next week. Um, uh, yes, yes, June fifth and sixth. Um, and they'll, you know, they're, that's their that's their reunification party. That's when they get together and everybody sings "Kumbaya" and they put their arms around each other and right. go to November. David Dewhurst enters. Uh, they're going to join for his big kind of farewell speech at the convention with some kind of like you know disco track behind him. So what's he going to do? <laughs> I like that ad. What? The David yeah. Dewhurst disco ad was the, the David closer. Dewhurst disco. Right. I think the the winner of the lieutenant, the real winner other than Dan Patrick of the lieutenant governor's race was uh, David Dewhurst, videographer, put out some very memorable it's true. ads. Yeah, they did some art films. Yeah. I, it didn't win them the election at all. But uh, maybe, hey. maybe, some, maybe some Emmys or some Polly's yeah, exactly. are ahead, right? Webbies. Uh, no, I want to know what you think David Dewhurst will do next, Ross. Go be rich. Um, I, you well, know, he had thought of that before being well, lieutenant governor. You know, I think he probably turns up. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all to, and this is without having talked to him yet. But the, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns up, either in some kind of think tank or behind some kind of project that has some public purpose, some civic purpose. Chancellor of UT Austin. 
I doubt that. UT system? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I doubt that. <laughs> yeah. But, Listen, I mean, you could see him jumping into— We know he feels emotionally right. about the University of Texas. Yeah. So. And he got a little bit climped. Judy Zafferini might you, push Chancellor for Chancellor Dewhurst. No, she'd be totally for I it. Know. Wouldn't she? Be a consolation prize. It'd be fun to write about, Reeve. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I've never seen your face fall as far as it just did. We'll take a moment while you pick up your features. Fell six feet, five face. inches. How about that? How surprised were you guys by the dual loss? I thought he would pull this out. You know, he was above was forty. Close. He was above forty-seven percent in the first round. He almost won it uh, last night. It came down to Dallas County. He won all but one of the other counties, and then Dallas County was the last one out, and. He went into Dallas County's, into the last counts, down 200 votes. He lost by about 300. He lost by exactly 300 votes. Um, it is just amazing to look at him and see somebody who's been painting painted as not conservative, you know, by his opponents. I mean, this guy, you know, is out. he defunding Planned Parenthood oh, before that was been, cool? Oh, way before it was cool. Right. I mean, he's been the one trying to, you know, change the abortion regulations to really change the funding structure, to rewrite, you know, the, the rules behind the scenes to make sure this funding couldn't go to, to Planned Parenthood clinics. I mean, this guy, to be considered not conservative is is. Wild. Well, how much of modern conservatism is what you actually say and how much of it is just how you say it? And at what point, you know, well, how long do you have to be in before you're no longer considered? Well, and part of this, too, is, that, you know, it wasn't so much, you know, in some ways it, it was about the conservative liberal thing. But in a lot of ways it was about he'd been there long enough that he's an incumbent in, in all the wrong ways, you know, that mm-hmm. – um, well, you were there when all this went wrong. We need somebody new. Therefore, you're responsible for it. Right. Someone texted me this morning on the Republican side and said it's official. The most powerful person in the state of Texas is now Tim Dunn, the funder of the Empower Texans, Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, kind of that whole coterie of things. And in a lot of ways, those people, as much as you're not wrong about the House races <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah, wow. That's the nicest thing Evan's wow. ever said to Ross. The, fa- the, fa- the fact is – it was a very good night for that end of the spectrum. It was at the top. It wasn't of the ballot. quite the bloodbath that right. I think March w- was, but I think it was a it was a of a continuation of the trend uh, uh, in that direction. And Duel was a casualty of that. I think the interesting question to turn around is who is Bob Hall? Right, right. Relative to a number of the other people who we have seen elected over the last couple of cycles. Donna Campbell, Connie Burton, people who came from that end of the party with that spectrum's end of the spectrum support. Right. Bob Hall is a mystery to a lot of well, people. We don't know much about it. Connie Burton's sort of a classic political story. I mean, she built an organization that's a, you know, you can kind of see this thing working through the grassroots. And you know, it's she not worked fake her, grassroots. Bob Hall's kind of a she fake grassroots program. She worked her tail off. I remember. I mean, from the, you have to, if you're going to say anything about Connie Burton, that woman has been savvy. She's been all over the place. You know, her social media presence basically before anybody else right. had one was huge. Right. She was really, really aggressive. She went after Wendy Davis on abortion stuff really early. I mean, I, that woman worked. Where was I? Didn't see Mark Shelton hardly at all on the campaign trail. Right. Connie Burton kind of won old school. The, you know, as we've been sitting in here, uh, Wayne Christian just released a statement on his loss. And it said, sometimes the ball bounces your way, sometimes it does not. It doesn't say, I thought I was part of the slate. <laughs> right. <laughs> what He's, happened, guys? <laughs> he wishes Mr. Sitton luck. So he said, unfortunately, we were outspent and unable to overcome our financial disadvantage. I still wonder if anyone remembers Wayne Christian's famous speech about... About pansexuals? Yeah, that I speech. Forgotten. And the one where he talked about how he had suffered racism because he wasn't allowed to start on his high school basketball team. 
<laughs> which is my favorite thing I've ever seen in the Texas yeah, legislature. No, no jump shot. <laughs> um, who are we talking about? Which what else? One? Which what one else of these people was, do we want to talk about? Yeah, what else was surprising? I was sort of surprised that uh, David Alamil was able to pull it out, given that they couldn't get uh, Friedman over the edge there. You know, he he. What did he? He only got seventy two percent or something like that. Only uh, seventy two. Yeah, I I think they pretty much rejected. Uh, <laughs> How many times Keisha is Rogers? Keisha Rogers? The, you know, only one hundred ninety three thousand Democrats voted statewide. It's less than a mayor's race in one of the big cities. It's just you know, it's you wonder if the if the primaries and if the primary runoffs in particular are representative of any any group of Texans at all. I mean, is this the way everybody would vote if everybody was there? There's seven hundred and eighty thousand, seven hundred and forty thousand Republicans. There are one hundred ninety thousand Democrats. That's it. Do you think the Wendy well, Davis? In is... fairness, though, you could argue that there, there were no. That you just had the Senate race and the ag <laughs> race on the ballot. There wasn't a whole lot of motivation to turn out. Yeah, but still, it just. Blows. Or, it's really ridiculous. It's just, Texans that's hate a, democracy. That's a, that's, a, that's a scientific term. Well, and how are people supposed to take them seriously if they can't? If they won't even show up? And you know, it's it wasn't well, going mean, to take were, long to vote. You just go in and hit two right. buttons. Both the Republicans and the Democrats were pathetic in both May and March. They're just these are niche. This is a niche business. It's not mass marketing anymore. Do we think that uh, Wendy Davis's upcoming? Autobiography oh, will generate boy. any excitement? Not unless they change the font on the cover. What's with the font? I don't get why everybody's upset about the font. It's like Helvetica. It's it is the worst. It looks like a Microsoft Word, like you know, seventh grade book report. Mister Paperclip. Basically. <laughs> I see you're writing an autobiography. <laughs> this, this message brought to you by the committee uh, to like journalists. I mean, you guys, you're giving you're, you you guys. Just what are you whining about? You the you, font? you started you, you started this podcast yeah. by calling one of the candidates a creep. No, I said he creeped people out. <laughs> also, different. Yeah. I would never call somebody. Seventeen a creep. years of magazine covers, and I'm, you're driving at us about font. Just to be clear, every time any the font changes like one pixel on the Texas Tribune, Evan has an aneurysm privately. So, this well, is what happens when you have a late election night, and everyone comes into the office next day, and they're all just sniping. At each late other. It was over at seven o two. What are you talking about? That's late. Privately, I, I would snipe about the font. Publicly, I love the font. What about the title, Forgetting to be Afraid? What's she forgetting to be afraid I just of? just can't wait for Abbott's attack ad that says, like, do we want a governor this forgetful? <laughs> a- a- Abbott's memoir will be called Remembering to be Confident. <laughs> Fear you can remember. <laughs> oh, boy. I, well, you know, does anybody read these? I, I, political biographies are sort of weird. I mean, you know, Perry's written a couple of them now, right? And, you know, I guess we're going to get another one if he runs When's hers going to come out Fetter in September? Upper. <laughs> Fetter upper. And then who's going to be doing the fact-checking on? Uh, you can bet they're paying that fact-checker a lot of money with Wendy Davis' on the di- book. Uh, which, the publisher or the Abbott campaign? Both. Both. <laughs> right. Probably. Cause maybe it's the same person. Well, it gives, you an ex- I mean, it gives you an excuse for a book tour, right? That's the whole point. Yeah, because nobody's paying attention ex- to you otherwise. It gives you an excuse to make money. <laughs> right. Which we could all use. Right. If you have questions or comments and you'd like to send them to us. Or money. Carefully choose your font and then email it to tribcast at org. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Emily, Ross, Evan, and our producer Todd, we would like to encourage you to review us on iTunes. This is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Three sure things in life, death taxes and Todd being weird.